Okay, there's a scene in uh, the Social Network movie where Mark Zuckerberg says to Eduardo, he's like, give me those email addresses of those of those of your friends because they're kind of famous and he wants to tap into his email database and he's like oh i don't know man he's like dude if you don't give me those we're just going to send it out to the only people we know and it's just going to bounce around dorked it and this is what's yeah. happening to artists is they're just releasing songs on spotify but they're not marketing it's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music but I'm gonna share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're gonna show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, so I'm here with my friends uh, Manifest, uh, Chris Chris Greenwood, and I'm super stoked because Chris, he runs a, a company called Smart Music Business, and he teaches from his own experience. So he's actually an example of a successful artist himself, who he's called Manifest. He's been featured on Forbes, Billboard, MTV. He's won multiple awards uh, for the Canada Covenant Awards, GMA Dove Awards. He's been nominated for several Juno Awards, which is like the Grammys in, in Canada. Um, he sold over 300,000 albums as Manifest. He gets millions of streams every month. And so in this interview specifically, we're going to focus on some strategies that he's found for increasing your Spotify presence and getting more streams on Spotify. So Chris, dude, thanks for taking the time to be here today. Yeah, really honored to be here, man. Thanks for that amazing introduction. I didn't know I was so amazing. It made me sound really good. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's true, dude. I just, I, I do the research, I find out. And I mean, every time I do one of these interviews, like we have some pretty, pretty amazing uh, mentors and so many opportunities now with the state of like the internet and the ability for us to connect. Yeah. It's so cool that yeah. we get to be a part of this, you know, this, this, uh, age of knowledge and being able to so easily kind of transfer what you've learned through hard work and probably, you know, tens of years of struggle figuring out what doesn't work in order to find out what does totally. work and to share that with the people that are watching now. Yeah, man, I wish there was stuff like this when I first started. And all I remember growing up is reading Donald Passman's music business course. And it was just so advanced, so not like applicable to anything I was doing. And, uh, you know, we're really blessed with, with, with YouTube and with online courses and coaches and all that stuff, man. So yeah, it's, it's great to be able to give back now too, for sure. You know, for, for everyone that this is their first time hearing about you, um, could you share a little bit about your story and basically how you got started and kind of uh, how you achieved that level of success with Manifest and how you kind of transitioned to creating smart music business? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I released my first EP in 2001. Um, and uh, I got into music because um, I hurt myself skateboarding. I wanted to be a pro skater and I was starting to get free stuff. I was sponsored by some of the local skate shops and this company called Circa that I really liked, the shoe company. But I got in an accident and couldn't skate, got dumped by a girl at the same time. And um, instead of, you know, taking my life and getting really depressed and discouraged, somehow I picked up a pen and started to write songs, uh, rap songs, hip hop stuff, which led to rock stuff and went on this journey of songwriting. And I was really terrible. But um, the one thing I, I'm thankful for I noticed is I could always pick out quality songs like I don't even remember back in the day when you'd buy an album and there'd only be like maybe one or two good songs on it back then and it's like you knew what it was and I think that translated into when I was starting to write songs and I would just call myself out like I wasn't the type of guy that like really like 
thought his stuff was so amazing. I was always, I kind of approached it to a humble thing. Like, how can I make this better? How can I make this better? And after writing and working with a couple of different producers, I quickly uh, located the guys that could make a great song and, and take my idea or whatever and, and turn it into a great song. And it was like, okay, mm -hmm. I'm latching on to that guy. And that I happened to be Adam Messenger, who's, you know, done, he's got a song on Beaver's new album, he's done stuff for Pitbull, Magic, so many, some of the biggest pop stars and really um, was blessed to work with him and to, to help with my songwriting and making great songs. And so, um, but that didn't, you know, mean I would have success right away. Um, I ended up meeting a guy named Trevor from uh, TFK, the uh, rock group called Thousand Foot Crutch. And he helped me get signed to a label called Tooth and Nail Records out of Seattle, which is kind of like a Christian rock label. And uh, no advance, nothing. Uh, like, no, no advance, man. Like, um, it was literally me and my wife who would make the records, do all the design, everything. And they just released it. And uh, didn't do very well. I was touring, went broke, struggled on the road, just touring, 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 touring. That was the only way I knew how to make money was touring. Because it's amazing. Like right when I signed that deal, 75% of my income is gone for my music, right? <laughs> and uh, the only way I could survive was touring. And after quitting my job, that was the only way I could figure this out. And we had a little bit of success radio, but nothing that translated. Like we weren't making sales. And so the label only kept me on. And they literally said this. Because they, um, they, my A and R said we were going through the different artists, saying who should we let go? Like who should we? Uh, what do they call it when you uh, drop? When we, who are we gonna drop? And they came to manifest, and he goes, "Oh, manifest, no, he makes me money. I'm gonna keep him on." And I was just like, "Holy crap!" You know what I mean? Like I was thankful in the sense, but like I had this twisted mentality, like, "Yeah, I'm more working for the label. I don't want them to drop me and all this stuff." And it's like they convinced me to like hustle for them, you know. And um, the second record we uh, released in the U.S., again, they were only going to like fulfill my three-album deal and then let me go. I know that was the plan. But the second record, because they had distribution with EMI, uh, the record took off in Japan. Some A&R at EMI Japan was like, we like this. They, were like, they compared me to like Linkin Park meets Eminem. And so we started selling thousands and thousands of albums in Japan and it just breathed new life into my career brought some money in of course um, brought the labels like oh well maybe we should market this still didn't do very great in the US okay in Canada but it just breathed new life and allowed me to wow like somebody actually likes my art like I know you're an artist too and like like it wasn't so much, it wasn't the money as much as it was someone buying my music across like the other planet. So we toured Japan, killed it. Um, it was an amazing time of my life. The deal, we did another record pretty quickly because the label wanted to make more money off of Japan. But then I was done my deal. And because I went to <clears throat> Japan, I met the, the labels there. And I ended up cutting out Tooth and Nail and did a deal directly with EMI Japan. And that pissed Tooth and Nail off big time. Mm. Um, and because uh, they're like, we want to do a deal with you, but we only want to do it in Japan. And I was like, oh, that's funny because I did a deal directly with them and I only want to deal, do a deal with you in the US. Anyways, they were ticked off. They did the deal with me in the US only. And I like renegotiated my contract and I kept the world to myself. And one thing artists need to know is like, when you sign a, with a, 
a deal with the label, they're going to want worldwide rights, but you need to ask the question, what are they doing for you in Germany? What are they doing for you in Japan? What, like, do they have relationships? They have success there? Otherwise, why do they need the world? They only want the world because they want to take as much money from you as possible. So anyways, they did the deal in the US, did the deal in Japan. Japan did really well. But what we weren't expecting was the US took off. There was a song uh, called Avalanche on that. And this was one of my best ended up being becoming one of my best selling records. But this um, song took off on radio in the US and we started selling 1000s albums, uh, a song different song took off on mainstream radio in Canada called Every Time You Run, selling crazy. And I was at this point where it's just like success, like found some real success. And I just want everyone to listen. It wasn't my first EP. It wasn't my first independent album release. It wasn't the third album I released with the label. Um, the second album did okay in Japan. Wasn't that fifth one now. It was the sixth release that really took off, you know? And um, anyways, kind of long story short, you know, that really propelled me in a different level in the US, doing 150, 200 shows a year, um, really learned the business. And that was 2010. And since then, I've released a new record every two years. And now uh, I left the label in 2014, started doing our own radio, doing Kickstarters, got all my records back, which I really want to make clear. All the deals I signed were licensing deals so that the label only had rights to them for the first deal. It was six years or seven years, which is way too long. Any artist listening to this, um, you only want to sign three, four years and you want to get your baby back. But um, that's how I've been able to survive is because I got all my records back and I have them. And so I'm making income on those specifically on Spotify. And that's how I'm continuing to make a great living because, you know, I was learned the music marketing, been in this business for a long time and got my freaking records back. So that was probably a longer story than you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> that's it's fantastic, dude. And what a great example of, you know, persistence. And like you said, there was the sixth album was really the one where it kind of broke through. And what, one analogy that comes to mind is, I mean, especially with, with musicians who are trying to be successful, the first, you know, first five albums, um, not quite having that breakthrough is kind of like, like the bamboo plant, how well, the way that it grows is at the beginning, you know, it doesn't, you don't really see a whole lot of growth. So it, it, right. what, it's growing under the surface, right? It has those roots and it's starting to grow. And then at a certain point, the bamboo just shoots up and I forget right. exactly how much, but it just shoots up really quickly. But it, and it feels like, wow, it just all of a sudden it happened, but it was really because you're building those roots at the beginning. So one, uh, one question I have for you is like, is because I, I know now um, one of the things that you focus on really is kind of this digital, this online opportunity for people because of the internet. And that really you've kind of transitioned rather than touring, like it's a lot of it's coming from um, just online. So how did that transition uh, take place? Yeah, and I'm really glad it did with the coronavirus going on right now as we're recording this um, because, you know, my whole life was touring for so long and my income was based on touring. But again, around 2014 is when my wife got pregnant and we had our daughter in 2015. And I went through a lot of change and uh, honestly went through some really tough times, uh, identity crisis stuff. Um, I was in my later 30s had a daughter, um, left California, which was my dream place back to Canada. And, uh, just really trying to figure out myself and pulling off from the road and, you know, not going on these tours that I'm so used to and getting that ego boost and where my identity is strapped to. I started focusing on online and marketing and, 
um, selling my music and whatnot. And, um, and I just kind of went through this phase of learning and getting, especially getting my records back. It's like, okay, if I'm not going to be on the road, how can I get my music and message out there? You know, how can I continue to do this? Because I remember this one guy said to me when I was in the conference at Medem in France, he says, okay, you've got your catalog, but what's your plan for that catalog? Like right now, we're doing a 10-year anniversary launch for one of my best-selling albums. Um, that's one of my plans is to create a bunch of merch around it, a big promotion. And that's what some artists don't know is that you can resurrect an old release. You can keep, you know, bringing attention to it. Heck, Eminem just did for uh, his... Uh, Slim Shady album he did like all these cassette tapes and like breathing this new life and he just happened to have a uh, the single off it in that new Shazam movie and so you know you need to be looking and seeing what uh, artists are doing and and what you can do to breathe new life in, into your stuff and for me it's all online I'm not saying I won't tour anymore uh, I definitely like because you know we're going to be talking about a webinar later where I say, Oh, I'm selling thousands of albums without touring. I never ever want to be the guy that says, you know, hating on touring. I just want you to know that you can sell music without having to do it. And for me, mostly that's been when with the online marketing and, and direct to sale, like running ads, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube saying, Hey, here I am buy my stuff, you know? Mm. I think that's such a, a great, point um that you kind of brought up with resurrecting or re recycling like you don't just because you released a, uh, an album or a song in the past doesn't mean that it just like goes dark it seems like the common tendency is to like always be releasing new content and always be thinking about new 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 when even especially at the beginning when most people haven't heard your original stuff it's like you don't necessarily have to move on to the new stuff if the old stuff was like good quality it's more about promoting it and putting it in front of putting it in front of people and what, what you described too about your transition from like touring to uh, some of the online stuff i can really relate with because that was the exact same transformation that i've kind of gone through with with my band paradise fears was that we were out for 10 months out of the year and probably a lot like you i love the feeling of playing shows and my identity was also wrapped up in it. I think it feels good. If you feel special when you come off of stage and everyone's walking up to you and, and wants your picture or an autograph and is telling you stories about how your music has helped them. Like it's, it's awesome. And you know, that's always going to be something that you're going to enjoy. But like you, I, when I started my family and I found out that I was going to have a baby boy, I didn't want to be gone for 10 months out of the year is a lot more challenging. So I wanted to figure out, you know, how could I provide for them without touring full time? and started to get into this online digital marketing stuff like like you as well um so that's awesome i think that you know that this is even a opportunity for us right now like we were yeah. talking about at the beginning with knowledge and being able to share that but but also in terms of your music and putting it in front of people and i know um that you've built some really profitable campaigns that are just based purely around online sales with albums that have already been released so that's really cool so i guess uh moving on to uh, my next question would be, at this point, I know you've worked with you know, thousands of musicians and you're kind of teaching them how do they build, how do they improve their Spotify presence? How do they get more streams? How do they build a sustainable music business online? What are some of the biggest challenges that you see people facing when they first come to you? Um, the first thing is, is uh, I think that a lot of artists expect, like, especially when it's their first song, uh, they're just like, they expect this massive thing right off the bat. And if it doesn't blow up, they're like frustrated or they've only taken a couple swings. Maybe they've released a few songs and they're frustrated. It's like, ah, oh, this doesn't work. You know, it won't work for me. And they, and they give up too soon. Some artists I find are super eager 
but they're rushing it out. Like, uh, I'll give you a couple ideas for Spotify here. Like, you know, we get our art and we get the master like last night and we want to upload it the same night and have it released the next day because like, we're just feel like there's such this rush to get it out. I think it was Ryan holiday who wrote the book, the perennial seller, which is amazing. He talks about even his first book deal you know, he had this deadline in his mind that it had to come out this time and had to be out there. You know what I mean? And people, we put these, you know, deadlines on ourselves. And I'm not saying don't have a deadline. Deadline, Nothing gets done without a deadline. But, you know, you don't want to just whip this thing out here and it's specifically on Spotify because then you can't submit it to the editorial playlist because they need at least, I think it's seven or eight days. I like to give at least three weeks. So if I'm got a song that I just uploaded to TuneCore, DistroKid, CD Baby, whoever your digital distributor is, it takes about 24 to 72 hours to show up in your Spotify artist dashboard so that you can then submit it to a playlist. Well, they're getting thousands and thousands of submissions every day. And, you know, and so you got to make sure you give them time to look at all of them. And if you're just putting it up and then you're going to release it seven days later, they might not be able to get to it to review it to even get it a chance to get an editorial playlist. And speaking of rushing, I always like to say to artists, like, look, you know, you submit this and you rush the album out there. I bet you rush the artwork too. And it probably looks like crap and you didn't really take some time. And you forget that people don't hear you first. They see you first. And I was coaching an artist yesterday and uh, we're doing like this coaching call and the album artwork looked awesome. And I was like, dude, this is sick. Like I want to listen to your music more just because, and I want to check you out because I just love the design. It's intriguing me. It's, it's bringing curiosity. I was like, dude, you can put that on a shirt as well. And I was just coaching them a little bit. But that was the second thing is the artwork. And then the third thing that I think that would really help is that collaborations. I wish I did more and more collaborations with other artists that were bigger than me because like, just like me and you are doing right now, kind of in an instance, you know, I'm going to promote this to my audience. You're going to promote this to your audience. And this interview podcast is now going to get double the smash from all the people, you know, well, it's the same thing. Like um, your band paradise fears. If we did a song together and I do a song together and featured, we pull from not only our, our fans, if you post it on Facebook, I tap into all your friends, family, cousins, all those stuff, you know, all your Spotify followers, all your Twitter followers. Like if we decide to come together, it's like, boom, as opposed to just paradise fears, just, Oh, I've got to be the lone soldier and do this myself for manifest. Oh, I don't want to feature anyone else. We don't realize like you're not a competitor. You're a collaborator. Like we got to collaborate. Cause then we get double the smash. I released a song with a buddy um, the other day and not only did we do the collaboration. So both our monthly listeners got smashed with Spotify's algorithm and got notified about the song. We both submitted the song through our artist dashboard to the editorial playlists. And man, we got, we got some pretty good um, editorial playlists on this one. Plus the song was, I'd, I'd like to think it was good. That's part of the reason, but I also believe it's because, you know, we're, we're both giving double chances. So if I can say to any artist, when you're getting started, like, don't get your ego so in it. Get a get a feature. Pay for a feature, man. Like, if you got to spend a thousand bucks, two thousand bucks, you get to tap into somebody's fan base that might have tens of thousands of followers, and you just get that instant boost, as opposed to just like slugging it out. Like I always, I always kind of say in my trainings, like, stop working harder and work smarter. You know, work hard, but work hard smart. <laughs> you know. 
Dude, I, I love that. I think that's, that's so important is switching from that mindset of, yeah, competition to collaboration. And, you know, one, one analogy that, that it reminds me of is what we're doing right now. And, um, and really what also what happens, probably why touring is such a successful strategy for people, at least in terms of growing a fan base is because exactly what you just talked about. It's like they're, you're coming together and your audiences are, are coming together and it breathes new life into it. And it's kind of like bees cross-pollinating, you know, like the flowers, like that's, you know, that's, it's essential. And it's how fresh, fresh blood happens. Like um, if you're just chewing a piece of bubble gum for, for a long time and you know, the bubble gum is your fan base and it's just the same piece of bubble gum, then it starts to get kind of stale. And if you can throw in another piece of bubble gum, if you have fresh new people and you can interact with new people, it breathes life and it, and it is fresh. I know people are doing some like features seem like a great way to, to just to be able to have that cross pollination. And I do wonder too, if there's, if there's something like, if you just do things like what we're doing right now, but for your fan base, maybe you interview like another member of a different band that's that you think your fans would like, or you connect with them, you write a song together, you do a live stream together. There's probably so many ways that we could utilize, you know, the internet and collaborate in, in uh, innovative ways and come up with like inventive new ways to to come together. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like I need to do that more. Like I have a radio show. I've been really blessed to have. And um, it, it airs on about 56 stations across the U.S., which is awesome. I get to play about four of my songs within the hour. But uh, I want to tap into um, some and do interviews with some artists that I like and that I actually want to collaborate. So I'm actually going to use my radio show as a leverage not to just get them on, but, you know, get an interview and then hopefully work with them because, you know, some of them are, are, are bigger than me. And, uh, and I just like their music too, you know, so you got to think of different ways that you can, you know, leverage and build a platform. And like, you know, there's so many people that, you know, we all started with one subscriber. Everyone started with one follower. How did we get it though? We just stayed in the game and kept on releasing stuff and stayed at, and we didn't quit. Mm, absolutely. So, so it sounds like, um, just kind of recapping some of the the challenges that you see or the mistakes that, that artists make when, when they first kind of come to you is one, having really high expectations when they first release their song. It's like their first song ever. They haven't built up an audience yet and they kind of put it out and they're hoping that it's just going to explode. But it's kind of like, it's kind of like starting a fire in a sense that their song is like a log for the fire. And it's like, they kind of throw the log into the fire pit and then just sit down. They're like, all right, like, wait, Oh no, the fire didn't start. <laughs> you know, like it's just yeah. a log sitting in, in the fire pit. And so it's really important to, you know, to not, not have to, to be willing to be in it for the long term, And in, in terms of like, when you first release something, not getting discouraged, if you know, you don't get millions of streams on your very first song, but just stick with it. And you mentioned too, in terms of like uh, people, one of the mistakes is rushing into it too quickly when it comes to like Spotify, you know, if you don't only give them a few days or a week or so before you release it, then you're not going to have enough time for them to really kind of check out the songs and, and uh, possibly place them on an editorial playlist. Um, in terms of one, one thing I'd like to dial in or that I'd like to, to talk about is uh, Spotify. Cause obviously Spotify is like a huge um, focal point nowadays yeah. with the music industry and it's um, where most people listen to their music. So what do you specifically when it comes to Spotify, what are some of the biggest challenges or some of the biggest uh, questions that you get when people come to you? Well, just go bouncing off what you were saying about when someone is releasing a song on Spotify and say it is your very first song on Spotify or even your 
third, fourth, fifth. If, if you want that thing to be successful, one thing you can do, and you need to realize that this is okay to do, run a ton of Facebook and Instagram ads and give that song away for free before it even comes out. Or give away a ton of your other older stuff before it comes, the new song comes out. So you have an email list and have mm -hmm. hopefully more followers and people following you before it comes out. Like, mm -hmm. you, like if your song is done right now, it's your very first song and it's not coming out for two months, you can be running ads to give it away. Like, like nobody cares like about, oh, I don't want to give my best stuff away. I don't want to find <laughs> it. Nobody cares about you. They really don't. Mm -hmm. Only you care about you. You know, nobody cares about me. Like, so I, I know what it's like to have an amazing song done. It's like, oh, it's my little, little precious thing. I don't want anyone to steal the idea. This, 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 that. Look, that's not going to happen. Okay. And I think it was 50 Cent that says, look, you, uh, I think it was, um, uh, I forget who said it to him. I think it was one of the Jam Master Jerry said to him, okay, you've written one hit. Can you write another one? And I, and I say that to myself as well. Like, okay, I've written one. I know I can write another one and I can write another one. I say that to anyone, uh, anyone listening, but it's like build the buzz up before it hits. It's okay mm -hmm. to, to, to be giving away your music. And I, I, this is the, the biggest thing that I, I say to artists with Spotify. Like if you're just releasing songs, like just like, and it's just like posting on Instagram, you're just releasing songs and you're submitting to the playlist. That's great. You're doing all the, the, the great stuff. But if you're not marketing on top of that, you're just um, what I like to say in the movie social network, you're just bouncing around Dorkton. Okay, there's a scene in uh, the Social Network movie where Mark Zuckerberg says to Eduardo, he's like, give me those email addresses of, those, of, those, of your friends because they're kind of famous and he wants to tap into his email database. And he's like, oh, I don't know, man. He's like, dude, if you don't give me those, we're just going to send it out to the only people we know and it's just going to bounce around Dorkton. And this is what's yeah. happening to artists is they're just releasing songs on Spotify, but they're not marketing. But what I teach is that, look, you release a song or you do the marketing before the song so that your fan base went from here to here and then you release the song, but you're still doing marketing and marketing. Your fan base is growing and growing and growing so that when you release your next song, now even more people are, are, are um, hearing about it. And what I call it is stacking the release, but it's not stacking the release or growing your fan base unless you're marketing. Um, it was this guy, Garrett White, who said to me, he's like, you know, if you are not marketing, your business is dying because you're not getting new leads into the, into the building. Like, like I, if, if I ever have a Facebook or Instagram ad that's not working, or if I've stopped promoting to radio, that, that freaks me out because I realize oh, I'm not getting anyone new in. Like, like you've got to be constantly, you know, marketing and, and spending a little bit of whether it's time, energy, doing interviews like this, like you don't have to spend money, you can do it, you know, free ways by trying to get on interviews and different stuff. But, you know, all these things fuel Spotify. But I, I like just to say that, like, if you think that, you know, you're just going to release a song on Spotify and submit to the editorial playlists, and just keep hoping on that, you know, your just chances just aren't as high, you know, they're just mm. not, you know, I'm not saying you can't like, you might have a smash freaking song and you get on one playlist and that could change your life. I'm not saying that won't happen, but I like to put in the other, the other work. That's what I say to artists about Spotify. Oh, what's up guys. So quick intermission from the podcast. So I can tell you about an awesome free gift that I have for you. I wanted to share something that's not normally available to the public. They normally reserve for our $5,000 clients that we work with personally. 
This is a presentation called Six Steps to Explode Your Fan Base and Make a Profit with Your Music Online. And specifically, we're gonna walk through how to build a paid traffic and automated funnel that's gonna allow you to grow your fan base online and the system's designed to get you to your first $5,000 a month with your music. We've invested over $130,000 in the past year to test out different traffic sources and different offers and really see what's working best right now for musicians. And so I think it's gonna be hugely valuable for you. And so if that's something you're interested in, in the description, there should be a little link that you can click on to go get that. And uh, the other thing I want to mention is, you know, if you want to do us a, a huge favor, one thing that really makes a big difference early on when you're creating a new podcast is if people click subscribe, then it basically lets the algorithm know that this is something that's new and noteworthy and that uh, people actually want to hear. And so that'll help us reach a lot more people. So if you're getting value from this and you get value from the free trainings, then if you want to do us a favor, I'd really appreciate you clicking the subscribe button. All right, let's get back to the podcast. That's, that's so important. Um, it, it, what it reminds me of is like a common business principle. And I'm sure you know this really well. And probably people have heard about, about this. Like, there's a I think maybe the number one business conference in the world is like traffic and conversion. You know, is, yeah. and that's really what everything comes down to in terms of business and your music business and any business in general is like those two things, traffic and conversion. And if all you're focused on is releasing new songs and getting people, the people you already have to listen to it, then it's like, there's nothing, nothing to convert. Like, you know, you need to drive traffic. You need new people coming to the music in order to, yeah. for the business to run the same thing with like a stagnant river. Like if a river isn't moving, if there's no fresh water coming in, then it starts to breed bacteria and it starts yeah. as a still pond, then it's not good. You need that freshness. Yeah, yeah. And I and I also I recommend exactly the same thing too in terms of so many, so many artists um, want to release something. They haven't built an audience yet. They haven't even started promoting. They don't have anyone to release it to. And so, you know, the likelihood of you triggering an algorithm with Spotify or YouTube is significantly less likely than if you did do what you're saying and you know promote and get your first 5,000, 10,000 true fans who are waiting for the official release or waiting for a new song. And then you send out an email, you send out a text message to all those people. Then you know that, that first day, the first week, you get 10,000 strains or something. That probably is going to make it significantly more likely for you to get on playlists. So I love, I love that, uh, that focus. That it's important to build to build a fan base to, to promote first before you release something so you can fully capitalize on that, that new release. Yeah. Yeah. Smash that algorithm man, and like, cause people aren't going to like, if you build the fans before, whether they got like, you could give the song away for free for a month and then you can say, Hey guys, this is now on Spotify. Do me a huge favor and <clears throat> go listen to it here and share it with some friends. You know, like you gave first and now you're asking for that, for the ask you know, mm. and um, it's just a powerful thing. And you're going to get tired of marketing your music before your fans are going to get tired of it. I don't know if it was Gary Vee who ever said it was, but they're like, when you feel like you are screaming at the top of your lungs, promoting your music, people are just starting to hear you. And, you know, if you're not getting haters every day, then you ain't marketing your music enough. You know, mm. I, I, I love seeing the people like that say like, man, I've never heard of you before. I never heard of you before. And, and I get some hate too. Um, cause obviously not everyone's going to love my music and that's okay. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's, I'm just going after just the people that, that do like it and I'm focusing on them. I'm not worried about mm. the, the few haters, you know? Mm. 
Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's really important. And I mean, and like you said, is not everyone's going to like it and that's, that's okay. It's for the people who, who do resonate with it. It's kind of like a, like a C chord, you know, if your music is like a, a C and an E, then the people who are going to like it, you know, are maybe playing a harmony, like they're in the same key and yeah. there's going to be other people that just are in a different genre or whatever. And like, it's like a F sharp chord and it sounds yeah. good on its own. Like they're just into it. But then when you put your music next to what they like, it's like, <laughs> like it just doesn't, yeah. doesn't, doesn't fit. And that's okay. Yeah. They're both equally valid. It's just, you know, they're not, they're not in the same key and that's cool. Yeah. Um, so, um, one thing you mentioned was, you know, u- utilizing like Facebook, Instagram, some of these other traffic, um, sources to start to build an audience before you officially release, um, a new song on Spotify, for example, and kind of stacking that over time. Um, what are like one or two of the campaigns, you know, like a, a framework that you've seen working really well in terms of actually driving traffic for someone who's completely cold, has never heard of your music before. What kind of message would you put in front of them? Well, there's, there's two, um, depending whether you have uh, an album or you have singles, if you just have singles, then you can give away a song in exchange for an email address, just run a song, say, Hey, for fans of Kanye West and Drake, or for fans of Florence and the machine and Adele, get a, get my new song, whatever name the song. Um, for a limited time and click learn more now and they go to a squeeze page and a squeeze page is just a web page that the only thing they can do is give you their name and email address or go away they can't click on tour dates they can't click on contact all it is is give me your name and email and I will give you music that's one way for um, maybe more newer artists Um, but if you got albums you got USBs you got you know merch and stuff like that I like a free plus shipping model where I'm giving my album away for free. Um, uh, and I just asked them to pay the shipping and handling. And um, that's how we're selling, you know, hundreds of albums a week. Um, earlier, I was telling you, we sold over 40 something albums just yesterday, not including the upsells. Um, and an upsell, just for someone that uh, doesn't know what that is, um, if you go to Amazon, or if you go at a checkout at a store, uh, the most famous upsell is uh, when you say, hey, can I get a cheeseburger? And they go, would you like fries with that? That is an upsell. Um, did you leave room for dessert? That is an upsell. In the music world, it's like, hey, you got this CD, do you want to get this bundle? Um, when you're at a, at a, at, on tour, uh, we always used to tell the, the girls running our merch table or guys, um, when they bought the out, bought something, you say, Hey, did you get his new CD yet? Like they're trying to upsell you. Well, we do this digitally online and that's how we're able to be really profitable and, um, sell more music. And what's awesome about that is I'm getting their contact information, which is extremely powerful. I'm getting the email and stuff. And so I can send them to Spotify or iTunes, but like Spotify don't share their email with you. You know, mm-hmm. iTunes mm-hmm. don't. And you know what really ticks me off about Spotify, even though I love it, um, is that it's owned by the majority of the major labels, right? They have like a pretty big cut. Not maybe not the majority. I don't know if they own the majority, but they own a big thing, and that's why they're able to spam us with Coldplay and Bieber and all that stuff. I don't know if you got those too. That it infuriates me because they're able to just mm-hmm. spam their spam us with that, even though we don't listen to it. But um, what's cool when I'm running these ads to sell my albums is that I see in the comments, in the Instagram comments, the Facebook comments on the ad, oh, I've never heard of you before. I'm going and buying all this on Amazon. I'm listening to this on Spotify right now. I just downloaded all your music on iTunes. So some people take my offer and they buy, which is amazing, but it's also fueling 
the Spotify, the Apple music, et cetera. You know what I mean? And so that's where I'm spending uh, a big majority of my marketing budget on. Cool. So it sounds like um, the two campaigns that, that you're running that have been giving you the best results so far are one, um, sort of a traditional, like, uh, a traditional ad going to a squeeze page where basically it's saying, hey, if you're a fan of blank or blank, I think you probably would like my music too. If you want to hear one of my new songs, click on here and I'll send you the song. So they click on the page, they go to a squeeze page that says, hey, here's here's the new song i'll send it to you um you know give me your best your best email address and i'll shoot you the song there or just ask them to to opt in in order to get the song and then they listen to the song and then maybe on the the following page maybe there's an option to to dive a little bit deeper or to join some sort of private community or you know kind of to come become a, a part of the tribe and yep. maybe an offer for like a CD or something. Absolutely. But it also sounds like maybe the most successful, like the one that you're running right now that's working really well is like a free plus shipping offer that essentially is an offer for CD saying, hey, I've got a CD here. Um, I'll, I want to send it to you. If you're a fan of blank or blank, I think you'd, you'd like it. Um, but, uh, you know, I've, I've basically purchased a bunch of these. I want to send these to you for free. Um, all I ask is that you help cover the price of me getting it to you. And so then they, you know, they can get the CD and they can get a discount on it. And then afterwards, there's some options for, for upsells. So like a bundle for like other, other different things. Yep. And that sounds like it would also, one of the benefits of that would be that you know, the people that you are attracting are there, they have skin in the game. Like they've already put down um, some money to, to join. They're not just like, oh, yeah. you know, 40 emails was like. Right. They're, they're a buyer. And I've heard, you know, in, in the business circles that two different lists, you know, if you have a customer list and you have um, just like a prospect list of people who've bought something and people who haven't, then in general, the customer list is going to be like 10 times more valuable Big than time. the prospect list. Yeah. And so not only are you growing your audience, but it's like people who are a really good quality um, fan. With the free plus shipping offer, are you driving that like just completely cold traffic or do you have any, are you like doing like some retargeting where it's like it's going to people that you've already connected with or what's, how, where have you seen kind of the best results from that? People who've never heard of you before, like they're, they're seeing the ad and they're just, they're going and they're, they're getting it completely cold or is it like when you're retargeting people? It's the majority is cold. That's where I have the majority of the budget. And I actually exclude my page because I don't want people that have already heard of me. I have a big net. So most of the budget is going to people who have never heard of me, which I really want people to understand. Like that's powerful. People have never heard of me. And that's because music touches people in a powerful way. And I just want to drive home the, fa the, fact, the fact that Yes, CDs. People are still selling CDs, but that's because I offer it in a very special way. They get not just the CD, the MP3 download, and I also always include like a fold-out poster or something like that to make it more valuable. Yes, they are still buying CDs. Not forever. <laughs> that's why we're switching to USB keys, but right now, mm. telling you, CDs. Um, but yeah, then we get their, um, their buyer's contact and we get the, the upsells and whatnot, which is just incredible. Like They're giving us their their the credit card information or PayPal or whatever. And um, then we put them through a journey where we build the relationship with them and, and sell them more stuff. But what's also powerful is you're getting something in their house. Like now you're in their house and they're going to share it. People are going to come over to their house and they're going to see it. They're going to ask questions. So it's like a self perpetuating thing. Um, you know, this is the strategy where I actually got featured on Facebook. Um, Facebook actually sent me a plaque for this because we, in this one campaign, we spent over 10,000 
and dollars on and just crushed it. And um, they made me do a case study and give them all my numbers and all this stuff. But um, it really, really does work. Um, like it's, it's the most, oh, what I love about it is it's just selling while I'm sleeping. Like after this interview, I'll go check and there'll be some more sales. You know, it's just, it's just leverage. And, and instead of going one-to-one, -one, I'm going one-to-many, you know, I'm reaching just um, millions of people without me having to be there. So. Mm, that's awesome, dude. That, that's so cool too, that it's like it, having um, a lot of experience at this point with running paid traffic and um, the numbers understanding like, you know, the, how it, it can, it can be really difficult, like running to completely cold traffic, people who've never heard of you before and, um, and bringing them in your community. The fact that you're going directly from cold traffic to um, some sort of like investment or some sort of sale right off the bat is amazing. And it's a huge opportunity. Yeah. And so and we're running hot too. We are running hot. I forgot to answer that. Yeah. I'm running hot and I'm getting that even cheaper. So, you know, for a cold person, it costs me maybe anywhere from like five to $8 to acquire a new fan um, for mm. warm traffic right now. Like we're getting it for like a buck 53 bucks. So it's way cheaper, but they're not as big of a pool. Right. But um, yeah. Cool. So, so there is some, some uh, warm traffic that's going to it too. And they're not as big of a pool, obviously, because with cold, it's like, you know, there's, there's so, there's so yeah. many people, um, but it is working really well. When, uh, when you're doing your targeting for it, are you basically just targeting cause in the ads? It sounds like you're saying, you know, if you're a fan of blank or blank, I think you'd like it. So you're just thinking about, you know, from experience, what are the people that are listening to your music? Who do they really resonate with? Who do they enjoy? So it's about, so you're just like targeting them. Are you using like lookalike audiences or is it mostly just the cold audiences that are, that are doing really well? Well, the, it's, it's cold works really, really well where you put all your audiences and I like to have a few million when I'm first starting. Um, but what's really powerful is the algorithm starts to learn. And so um, say like I'm most compared to like Lincoln Park and Lincoln Park's like a 7 million audience. It's pretty big. But as I'm starting to get sales and because I'm running conversion ads and um, that's where I can track conversions so I know how much it costs me to get a result, which is buy my music, um, Facebook gets smarter with every single purchase because that Facebook pixel is firing. So out of that mm. 7 million, Facebook goes, oh, these are the people that are most likely responding. So it only shows my ad to them and it just gets super smart and it gets out of this learning phase where it's like where we like to see your Facebook pixel or the algorithm is seasoned and it knows exactly who my audience is. And so if I want to add Metallica in there or Red Hot Chili Peppers or someone that I might not even sound like, it'll still be able to find that fan because I've had so many purchases and it's learned and it has so much data about us on Facebook, which is scary, but it's amazing for, for marketing that um, I can even run ads now and I don't even have to target anyone. Like I can just target people in the United States and um, it just puts it in front of because I've had so many hundreds of purchases. Yeah, we'll do lookalike audience sometimes too, but you know, your audience tends to burn out and that's why you do sometimes need to have new audience or a new ad and keep it fresh. And um, so that um, people know, uh, you know, just because they've, they've seen the ad before, but normally if you've got good music, man, and, and got a good killer ad, you're going to, you're going to get sales. Cool. So it sounds like what you're saying is that um, mostly, you know, you're running cold, cold traffic based on interest, interest-based targeting. So you're targeting people who are fans of blank, blank or blank, mm -hmm. uh, of like other artists. 
And because of the way that the algorithm works, which, yeah, like Facebook is in terms of privacy, sometimes a little bit creepy, but it's amazing for us because we really get to find out who are the people who are most likely to really enjoy your music and to be able to put it in front of those people. And so over time, the pixel, because it triggers on those conversions. So when someone does buy something, it's like, ding, like that's the right person. And it, and it takes that into, into account. It's really gotten to a point where even just with cold, cold uh, targeting, even with without, without like really super refined targeting, it's working really well. That's interesting too. In terms, of, so you are running some lookalike audiences for for us. And I, I'm probably gonna like geek out too much here because I, I love this stuff. Like I'm all yeah. about um, about like you know about the algorithms and about uh, Facebook ads and and Instagram and all these different uh, like the lookalike audiences and the way that in funnels and like how it works. But for us, it's the same thing too. In terms of it's gotten to a point where the data they have so much data that they just know like their algorithm gets it and it's really powerful and for us the the look like audiences that we've created out of like the highest quality traffic so the people who've kind of gone all the way through and are the most dedicated you know fans that's has worked every single time like that's outperformed every other audience that we have and like you said you have to kind of introduce new cold audiences sometimes in order to kind of widen it but it's pretty amazing that that's even a thing where we can create this quote-unquote look-alike audience that if you give them a group of people then they look at that group of people that you give them and find people that match the same characteristics as those people yeah it's so inc- like it's incredible it's it really is um there's you know if you're not marketing your music with with facebook instagram ads in the 21st century you're missing out on the most powerful tool ever you know because it's the best roi you know i, I say to my students like you know you, you can't track radio you can't track your publicist but you know i'm tracking what i'm doing because i'm running conversions ads. i'm seeing what it costs me to get new fans and then i'm also tracking the other things that are happening with my my sales um and TuneCore and stuff and it's just um i i just think it's worth learning and if it sounds too techy for some of you guys it sounded techy to me too but you know uh this is one thing worth learning i i, I don't know who said this but they said um you know, um, I want to outsource my marketing. Well, they said, well, that's like outsourcing your sex life. You know what I mean? You want someone else to do it for you because you want to have somebody else to blame. That's what you're saying. You know, you always want somebody else to do it for you because you want to blame someone when it doesn't work out. And I've seen those artists all my life. And I'm sorry if I'm hating a little bit right now, but I think some artists need to be told off a little bit that like you always want to outsource stuff. And I'm not saying don't outsource. You need a team. You need a team, but like you need to understand marketing. You are a marketer and you want to just give the power to somebody else so that you can blame them and go, oh, that's why my career didn't work out instead of learning this stuff, you know, yourself and diving into it. Um, I really think that like the most powerful things, if I could go back and start over, it'd be writing way better hit songs and how to market. That's it. Write the best, produce the best songs and how to market. That's it. All the other stuff. Yeah is child's play, you know? Absolutely, dude. There's, there's some things that you just, you don't outsource. Like, like you said, like your sex life, or it's like, you don't outsource your, your wife, you don't outsource your relationship. Like it's, it's something that, because your marketing, especially like it's a lot, I feel like marketing, maybe it gets a bad, um, a bad rap sometimes, especially from creative types, or they feel like, oh, marketing is all about misleading people or it's all about like slime it's about like making money and that's not why i'm like you know making music but ultimately 
that's not, that's not the core. That's bad marketing. Like if you do it that way, like marketing is about yeah. expressing who you are and finding the right, right people who are, are going to resonate most with your music, who need it the most and about providing a service. And it's about you know, finding those people and creating a system so that you can do what you love sustainably and reach more people and make a bigger impact. And that's, so important like it's it's baked into your soul. like your marketing is like i've heard it described like it's the engine it's the engine of your car like with your music is like the body of the car and it can be shiny and nice and it's important to like you know you, know, you want to have like a nice looking car but it's not going to go anywhere if you don't have an engine in the car like the engine right. drives it places it goes places um, so i 100 percent agree like marketing is such an, a valuable tool to learn yeah. and there's i'm just I, this is great like I, i'm just geeking out because this is a great conversation but one one thing that you mentioned that was so on point is how the value of having concrete metrics and numbers and how when you're running these campaigns, now that you understand it, it wasn't always that way, right? At first it was like, wait, what the heck does all this mean? But now that you've kind of you've spent the time to learn that skill set, that it's so concrete compared to other you know, methods where you don't really know like what kind of results did you get? You got like a blog placement, but did that, what kind of impact yeah. did that really make? You have these concrete numbers and it's mm -hmm. like, the difference between like having a completely pitch black room and looking for your keys and kind of just like waving around your hands and trying to find the keys and eventually maybe you'll find the keys but it's going to take a long time compared to just turning on the light and seeing like concretely oh that's exactly where the keys are at i guess i need to go in this direction and so with the yeah. metrics it's a lot like that where it's like turning on a light where it's like oh this is exactly what's happening here this there's no lying about this this is the results tangibly and here's how what we can do to to improve it yeah it just takes it takes a lot of the risk out of it you know like cuz music is a risk all right like you know we're the we're the most uh, entrepreneurs out there music artists and uh, we take risks and we drive through the night and do all these crazy things cuz we're so passionate about our music and you know, when I first got started, it wasn't about the money. It was never about the money, just about getting the, the, the passion and getting it out there. Um, but it did come a time where I wanted to feed my family. I wanted to keep doing this. So I needed to understand the business part of it and the marketing. And I'd wasted tens of thousands of dollars. I don't know how many times on radio campaigns and uh, just hoping it would work. And uh, but now with, with this this new way, I'm just being a lot more strategic and being more wise with my money because, you know, uh, I've literally set so many tens of thousands of dollars on fire. Like when you go for a radio campaign, I don't care how good the song is. You got to be prepared to take that ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 and set it on fire and, and, and film it, film a video of you filming it. And that'll be about <laughs> all you get out of it for marketing. Um, cause, uh, it was only a couple of years ago. We spent 30, 40 grand on this campaign. We hit the billboard charts and everything for the active rock genre. And, um, it barely moved the needle for, uh, Spotify at all. In fact, um, a different song that we didn't take to radio did better on Spotify than the one that hit the billboard charts. And that's because mm -hmm. not all spins are created equal when it comes to um, uh, radio. Uh, there was, it's this overnight thing where they're just spinning it. And so you got to really know what you're spending, investing your money in and, and know that you're getting a result. And that's kind of what the, the world I'm living in now because I'm an entrepreneur. I don't got these massive pockets like a label that's willing to waste money and throw it at the wall. And I, I need to not meaning that I won't risk, like you got to be willing to spend money and try stuff and be still willing, like, you know, and you keep swinging no matter what, but at least we can do it a lot smarter now. And that's, you know, what you're providing your students and I'm providing mine. And that's why we have coaching or just go learn the hard way and 
the the long way and get beat up like we have. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so, I mean, if you haven't noticed, I, I overuse, I use analogies all the time because I just, I, I love analogies, but it's like the difference between having a map, you know, like knowing you have this destination and having a map, having someone to be like, Hey, um, I've gotten here before. Here's, you know, here's the path. Here's how you do it compared to doing it on your own, which you certainly yeah. can. And you just, you kind of stumble out there, then you can, you can do it. We both are, you know, proof of that, that you can struggle and do everything wrong to figure out what doesn't work and find out what does work. But man, it's just so much easier if you have a map and you have someone that can you know, guide you like yeah. a, like a personal Yoda. Yeah. Um, so dude, I think, uh, we're probably coming up to the, to the end of our inter- yeah, interview yeah. here, but, but man, I really appreciate uh, you taking the time to be here today. This has been awesome. Really valuable. Cool. Hopefully the people who are, who are listening to this have had a few kind of like, aha, break, breakthrough moments. Absolutely. So, I know that you mentioned that you have um, some sort of advanced training that kind of goes more in depth into some of these strategies, some of these funnels that you've created. Where can people go to if they want to learn more from you? Yeah, if they want to go and learn more, if they want to just, they're like, heck, that free plus shipping thing and running ads like that, um, and they just want to get right into that and and just pick up the program, it's not cheap. Um, um, But I created a special link for you guys here if you just want to watch this other free training and, and learn a little bit more about it and the, and the story behind it, um, go to smartmusicbusiness.com forward slash story. And, um, and you can get a, it's an hour long training where it just shows you the three secrets of how I'm selling tens of thousands of dollars doing this and explains the upsells and the journey a little bit more. Beautiful. Thank you, dude. I, I appreciate you, uh, you creating this for us. And yeah, um, what, we'll, what we'll do to make it like as, as easy as possible is like if you've listened to this and you're like, this sounds awesome, I'm ready to invest and I want to figure out how to do that myself, then we'll include a link to the, to the actual course so you can click on it and just get right into it. Sounds good, man. Stoked. Yeah, dude. So uh, yeah, once again, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, really yeah. appreciate you being one of those, one of those lights. You're like, a, you're like a lighthouse and you're helping, you're helping people and you're sharing this wisdom. You don't have to do this. You, know? like yeah. you, you definitely don't have to do this. So uh, on behalf of everyone, thank you for, for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then I'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That that really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.